0: We're now into the second day of mourning here in the Netherlands for Peter de Vries, the investigative crime journalist. We are appalled by
1: awful. the apparently arbitrary killing of nine activists in simultaneous Tonight, more
0: bloodshed in Mexico. Another journalist killed this week in the country. Five reports. He was known for fighting for the little guys, for trying to out the corruption.
2: From the Globe Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, this is the RIPO Effect. This is The Ripple Effect, and I'm your host, Ana Paula Oliveira. Today, we explore the practical steps that can be taken to protect environmentalists from the many threats they face. We also explore alternative approaches governments and corporations can take to make sure environmentalists and indigenous voices are heard. Brazil has historically been a dangerous country for environmentalists. In the 1980s, internationally recognized environmentalist Chico Mendes was assassinated. He famously raised the alarm against the deforestation of the Amazon rainforest. Decades later, how much has changed in Brazil?
3: Now, police in Brazil are searching for the bodies of two men, a British journalist, Don Phillips, and a Brazilian expert on indigenous people, Bruno On
2: June 5, 2022, Brazilian indigenista Bruno Pereira and British journalist Don Phillips went missing in the Javari Valley at the western part of Brazil. Later on that month, they were found killed. Police believe that the killing was related to the illegal fishing of endangered species, including turtles and freshwater fish pirarucu. Five people were arrested in connection with the murder, including the suspect leader of a illegal fishing mafia based in the Amazon. In late October, the suspected mastermind
4: was released on bail. Hundreds and hundreds of Brazilians have had their lives taken away as a result of the activism in defense of the environment. Mayara Foley is co-founder and program director at Plataforma Cipó. Although this challenge is not new, things have deteriorated under the presidency of Jair Bolsonaro.
0: Brazil is the country that preserves the environment the most. Some don't understand that. It's also the country that
4: Bolsonaro suffered. and his allies have openly and systematically supported the interests of large landowners and corporations at the expense of environmental preservation. His administration is, for instance, creating barriers to suspend the process of demarcation of indigenous territories, which is unconstitutional. He has also sharply cut the resources and number of civil servants allocated to fight environmental crimes. He has prohibited the destruction of machinery used by illegal miners and illegal loggers who are caught committing crimes. This mentality has naturally had catastrophic consequences. We've seen a record increase in deforestation rates in the Amazon in over a decade. We've seen an increase in indigenous land invasions. There's, of course, been an increase in the number of murders or attempted murders as a result of land disputes, which mostly target not only indigenous people and environmentalists, but also small farmers, peasants and union leaders. They are also more vulnerable to physical aggressions, forced evictions and expulsions, all of which are becoming ever more frequent under the anti-environmental government of, of Jair Bolsonaro.
2: In October 2022, presidential elections took place in Brazil. There are hopes that the new elected government will be committed to revert the accelerated trend of deforestation and strengthen the environmental regulatory frameworks in the country. Billy Kite is an independent consultant on conflict mitigation and peacebuilding, and a member of the GI network of experts. He gives us insight into the ties between state and economic interests and how this can prove fatal for environmentalists.
0: We're seeing many authorities turning a blind eye or or even actively impeding investigations into these killings. Now, this is principally due to the collusion that we see between corporate and state interests, which are the principal suspects in these murders. There's also an aspect of short-termism and what governments see as boosting the economy by exploiting natural resources, which is further compounding the problem and the issue. But many of the victims come from marginalised communities such as indigenous peoples, who have been historically sidelined and discriminated against by governments. We also see the rule of law, which is you know, very weak in many of these countries where governments are failing to protect activists. All of this leads to a lack of protection by the authorities and a failure to investigate crimes. Corruption is also allowing government officials and businesses to, to collude in grabbing land or imposing business projects on communities. And in so many of these cases, there is a lack of respect for the free, prior, and informed consent of communities regarding the use of their land and the natural resources, which is driving these conflicts. So, when communities are excluded from the outset, they have no choice but to stand up for their rights, pushing them on a collision course with, with these powerful interests.
2: It's likely that societies will depend on natural resources for the foreseeable future. How can we ensure communities and environmentalists are free to express their opposition and guarantee safety? Rachel Cox, campaigner and investigations at Global Witness, explains how the
3: relationship between companies and environmentalists could improve. For many of the communities and many of the individuals that we're speaking about, their protest is localised. So it's about communities directly challenging projects that are on the ground and their concerns often begin. And their entry into the the kind of land and environmental world often begins with the entry of a a project which is backed by a, a company which has financial backing, which goes well beyond that locale. That's where their activism begins and it, it's, it's about the, the lack of consultation that occurs as that project is being set up, a lack of consultation with local residents, Indigenous communities throughout the duration of that project. It's also about the impacts of those projects in terms of environmental rights but also the health of communities uh, or their, their human rights, their access to what they see to be just in terms of benefiting from a project that has come onto their land.
2: A recent report from Global Witness reviews that a total of 1,733 people have been killed over the past 10 years defending the environment. That's one person killed every two days. So what needs to be done to protect those on the front line of the climate crisis? Liliana Jauregui outlined three key areas.
1: It's important to address the root causes, which are uh, the inequality, huh? the inequality in wealth, the inequality in power. Indigenous peoples that are uh, managing almost 80% of the biodiversity of the world are the least hurt in the decision-making. So we have to do something about that and uh, invest in inclusive uh, development and, and uh, meaningful participation of those groups. Uh, secondly, I think we have to combat this hate speech. Governments uh, labeling defenders as against development, so we have to change the narrative and, and show the value of these people achieving their sustainable development goals and, and display more positive images uh, across the media so that these people are not uh, attacked and the attacks are legitimized uh, by local communities. Thirdly, I would say uh, we're investing in security and resilience trainings, security management. What we are doing is trying to support collective and territorial protection, uh, provide trainings on digital uh, security, but also on evidence collection.
2: And we are so what do companies who invest in these areas need to change in their approach?
3: It's about companies offering efficient and regular monitoring of the local landscapes in which they're operating. So, there isn't a, a one-fix-all tick box list that, they, that companies should be using. They should be thinking about a local context and the likelihood and whether there's a history of reprisals against uh, communities who speak out. They should be checking up and doing proper due diligence on other organisations or businesses that they work with, um, proper consultation. But also ensuring that they quite clearly state that they have a zero-tolerance stance on threats and attacks against defenders and illegal land acquisition to begin with. Like, it, it seems simple, but many companies don't even state that amongst their, their policy documents. Companies should be thinking about how they can be allies to local communities they need to be more actively and publicly condemning threats and attacks against offenders whenever they're occurring, even if they're not directly associated with their particular business project. Uh, And that's to ensure that there is a a more consistent voice that's occurring, not just from local communities or NGOs who are working on these issues, but across the business world who are taking a stance of, of zero tolerance when it comes to reprisals.
2: Similar to journalists and human rights defenders, impunity rates for the murders of environmentalists is incredibly high. Maiara gives insight into how this might be tackled in Brazil.
4: Of the 300 people murdered as a result of conflicts over the use of land and natural resources in the Amazon region in the last decade, only 14 cases resulted in a conviction. And to make matters worse, when you think of environmental crimes, which is often the root cause of conflict and tension around land, less than 5% of the fines imposed for environmental crimes in Brazil are actually paid by perpetrators, who often take advantage of highly bureaucratic and slow-paced appeal procedure there's not much being done to end impunity by Brazil's current administration. To the contrary, the president's discourse in favor of allowing the exploitation of natural resources at any cost, including indigenous land and without indigenous people's consent, which is of course illegal. This sends a message of impunity that might further increase the, the violent attacks faced by environmental defenders. And we know that putting an end into impunity is not a simple task but it would at the very least require a stronger allocation of resources to local police forces and prosecutors to enhance their investigative capacity. It would also require a strong witness protection program. It would be very important to allow local populations to share evidence and information without fearing for their lives and without risking becoming a target of violence themselves, as it is often the case not only in Brazil but in Latin America and other parts of the world. But To end impunity in the country would be essential to place a greater focus on prevention to stop assassinations from happening in the first place. There's plenty of research and evidence showing that before being murdered, a large number of land defenders received systematic death threats, which even when reported are often not investigated by local authorities who lack adequate resources and often political will. I'd say that making the protection of environmental defenders a priority requires political will from decision makers, which it's very difficult to achieve in a country where the highest authority keeps adding fuel to an already burning forest. An atmosphere of
2: corruption and collusion means environmentalists are left vulnerable to attacks as they clash with organized crime, corporate and state power. But what we've learned today is the importance of open communication between local people, corporations, and the state. But change can only happen if there is political will and support to do so. Join us next episode as we look at the assassinations of politicians. How can we challenge the threat against elected representatives? If you enjoyed The Ripple Effect, please share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Ana Paula Oliveira. Just an update on a case we mentioned in this episode. In late January 2023, Brazilian police have named the alleged mastermind behind the murder of journalist Don Phillips and Brazilian indigenous Bruno Pereira. At a press conference, the Amazonas State Federal Police Chief named a man called Rubens Vilar Coelho, known as Colombia, as the man behind the assassination. Vilar Coelho is accused of running an illegal fishing racket in the area where Dom and Bruno were murdered. Vilar Coelho has denied any involvement in the murders. For more information on this story, there will be a link in the podcast notes. We will continue to monitor this case and many others.